Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, maybe art doesn't need a point, maybe that's why it's called art, it's Arturo Zurita. Damn, that's the best one. Three that's... years we've been married, and this is the first time I've gotten that's one where I was like, wow, wow, I like that one right there. That's um, no, I'm excited for you. Yeah. Oh, oh, a show that we will uh, definitely be talking about here. Yeah. Also joining us, the Amandalorian. It's Amanda the Jedi. What's up? Thanks, as always, for having me. Oh, yeah. It's the mm-hmm. third year in a row that we've got Amanda here at the midpoint of the year to talk about the best TV and movies have had to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are back to back episodes. And on this one, we're talking TV. So if you're looking for Sonic the Hedgehog discussions, Sorry. you've clicked on the wrong video. But <laughs> before we get into the lists, uh, I got. A couple things that I haven't watched that I want to spotlight. Uh, some stuff that I'm going to also talk in honorable mentions. Uh, I haven't gotten around to the newest season of Better Call Saul, which I've heard nothing mm. but amazing things about. Uh, didn't get to see The Last Dance, which I'm kicking myself for. I have a feeling we'll talk about that later. Uh, High Fidelity, I've been hearing great things about on Hulu with Decent. Zoe Kravitz. Uh, and the Good Places final season, I love that show, and I, I'm like scared to to watch it to not have any more of it to look forward to. Yeah, you know, I agree. Uh, I have 350 movies that I watched this year so far, so I have way more shows that I have not seen. I, I have too many honorable mentions. What about you, Amanda? Oh, I have a ton. I'm so bad at watching TV shows. It's kind of like one of these, like, oh well, I don't. I don't want to watch it as they're dropping. I'll just wait till it all comes out. See? And See, then thank you. once it all comes out, I'm like, I don't have 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling so Zach, bad. I think the best place to say it is here on the TV episode. We used to always have those 21 to 24 hour, yeah. you know, episode, 24 episodes in one season. I was like, let's mm-hmm. cut that down to the 10, a nice miniseries. No, it's still They listened. And now those 10 hours seem to be dragged on. I told Zach, now I'm moving on to the... F- three to four, maybe five episode miniseries. Until mm-hmm. then, that becomes a thing. And I was like, what about we do this thing called movies? movies. 90 minutes, <laughs> that's all we need. But yeah. yeah, it's getting crazy. They just found yeah. a new way to put filler in there. But there's still a lot of great stuff out oh, there. Sorry. TV yeah. has made it comfortable to be at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they, we haven't been able to get out to the movies quite as often in 2020, but there's been a lot of really good TV shows to watch in the interim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll start with some honorable mentions, including uh, Dead to Me, uh, The Circle, Ooh. Queer Eyes fifth season, and The Eddie, some shows that I really enjoyed, uh, even though they're not quite good enough to make my top ten so far. Uh, a couple shows that I didn't watch enough of to feel like I wanted to talk about them with authority but that i really enjoyed and think they'd make my top 10 uh the great on hulu hey the uh medieval-esque show from the same writer as the favorite nicholas holton l fanning really good show uh mrs america with kate blanchett Mm -hmm. on hulu that's a limited series that has been really great so far uh search party's third season just dropped on hbo max i'm like two or three episodes into that and really think it's uh, going to be a season i enjoy a lot and i Love that show's mix of like uh, murder mystery stuff with the sort of millennial skewering comedy that it has uh, mm-hmm. with Alia Shawkat, mm-hmm. and then Run uh, with mm-hmm. Merritt oh, Weaver, who HBO. we love, and Donald Gleason, who we also love. Nice. Uh, but the number one on my need to finish is I May Destroy You. I've seen three episodes. There's still three more to come. Uh, I can say with confidence that if I had seen this whole season, it'd be, if not the top of my list, then maybe number two. It's 
one of the most stunning shows that I've seen all year. And uh, Michaela Cole, both writing the show and starring in it, uh, does so much to uh, create this world that is both like fully lived in but focused on her situation. It's a show that is kind of about her sexual assault, but it has such a wider scope than that. And it both... I've never seen a show that deals with uh, such serious... Uh, pain and trauma in the way that it does also have this this joyfulness and this life to it too it really feels like a a full uh depiction of this woman and and she's just so good in it it's a very funny show it's a very affecting show uh can't wait to watch more of that one so nope. i don't know if either of you've seen my may destroy you or if either of you have uh any ones that you wanted to mention here, or we can get right into our top 10. Uh, I only have two. Want- I have two. Yeah. Now that you mentioned I, HBO, I may destroy you. I know this I much is true. HBO is going everything with yeah. the eyes. Yeah. Me that too. was one yeah. that I've not been able to finish uh, from Derek Sian France that he uh, filmed separate times <laughs> to have two Mark Ruffalo's together. One a little bit more heftier <laughs> yeah. than the other shot on film. I don't yeah. know how they worked all this into it. Um, a fantastic first opening episodes that uh, so I was good. able to catch. I haven't wrapped up on it yet, but that's one that I would definitely add. I don't know if either of you were able to finish it. Um, and then the other one, now that I'm blinking at it, was another HBO show. Oh, Insecure, because I'm not mm. done with season four yet. But season four sounds like it's going to be heartbreaking. Uh, the president talked about it. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to it, it seems like it's going to be a lot like a, a video I made last year dealing with good boys. Last black man in San Francisco. Not to get into too much spoilers, but yeah. uh, Insecure yeah. is a fantastic show. Definitely catch up on either way. Nice. Yeah, I'm behind on Insecure, too, but I, I've just been hearing that this right? has been a very strong. Season right. Yeah, I'm behind Insecure. on uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a probably a, there's a probably a lot of shows I haven't seen that you guys are gonna mention. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, that one. Um, not done Westworld season three yet, mm. but uh, it's so far it was better than the second season. Um, That's what Zach said. Yeah, so I'll have to I have to finish that up, and then uh, I'm kind of still because you said you're you keep saying top ten, but you told me top five, so I picked. I got, That's oh, fine. yeah, That's from fine. movies. If you guys want to do ten. I don't necessarily have 10 shows that I feel like are worth talking about best. Otherwise, we're going to end up with 13 Reasons Why on this. Um, um, But uh, yeah, so like uh, another one I kind of just started watching just because I really liked how the movie was handled. And the show is pretty good, but I think it would be really good for kind of like teen audiences. Love, Victor, which is the television spinoff of Love, Simon. And Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't finished that yet, but uh, so far it's been it's been really good. And it kind of takes a little bit of a different stance while still being very similar uh, to mm-hmm. the movie and it still kind of has a connection to the Simon character because this kid has hit him up on Instagram so they've kind of been DMing back and forth yeah. a little bit so uh, yeah it's been interesting so far so I think it's uh, it's definitely it's on Hulu no it's yeah. yeah it's on Hulu yeah it's a Fox thing um, but yeah I, I would definitely say if that's worth checking out awesome mm-hmm. well uh, I'll get us started here with my number 10 it's not exactly like a show a series of comedy specials but there's three of them so I'll uh, I'll include it here it's Middleditch and Schwartz mm. the Netflix uh, improv specials that they put out earlier this year uh, three hour-long uh, improvised enti- entirely improvised specials that star Ben Schwartz who many people know from uh, Parks and Recreation mm-hmm. or more recently Space Force and Sonic the Hedgehog as the voice of Sonic uh, and Thomas Middleditch who is of course on Silicon Valley and in a bunch of movies uh, these two guys are people who uh, came up through UCB and improv and 
honed their skills at this type of long form improvisational comedy where they get a suggestion from the audience and just expand and expand and expand and try and create these worlds and keep coming up with new characters and and part of what's so fun is just the chaos Mm -hmm. in the worlds they're creating trying to keep track of who's involved in the scenes trying to keep track of what their character names that they said 10 minutes ago even were (laughs) uh and because they're so funny just as presences uh it just remains charming throughout. Uh, I just really enjoy Ben Schwartz, particularly his humor, and uh, it, it's a chance to get him like un, you know, uncut and just you know going crazy for fifty mm-hmm. minutes in three different specials. I really enjoyed Middle Ditch and Schwartz, so yeah, that's uh, my number ten. Nice. I was able to catch the first episode. Uh, nice. I'm pretty sure if you caught these live hilarious yeah like that's one of those i think they do a great job of even though you're watching it on netflix like you could feel the way that they get the audience involved the first episode they're making fun of the people on the balcony because Mm -hmm. of the wedding that they're going to be a part of uh that said schwartz is way funnier than middle ditch like (laughs) like i would put like i don't know how many bars you get with your verizon uh lte but like that much more funnier than middle ditch in my opinion um right so i think that that's what kept me from watching the other two and three, but I, 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 I wouldn't mind going back to, to catch them. My only thing with improv is that sometimes it gets a little lost along the way. Mm-hmm. You're trying to find them back up, but they're the only two up on stage. Yeah. Right, right. And that's sort of like both the charm and maybe the, exactly. the flaw in it. Uh, sometimes that's really funny when you see them trying to figure it out, and sometimes they end up being a little bit stuck and looking yeah. for what the next funny bit's going to be. Again, it's, it's weird seeing it filmed because improv is so ethereal and so in the moment that it feels like it needs to be a live experience, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it's it still well. an entertaining watch. Yeah. My Art. number 10 will be a Netflix series, and Netflix has had a bunch of these. I've been saying it. We are in the digital age now. Literally can't go out. <laughs> so all of entertainment and education and documentation and history comes at home, and Netflix has had a bunch of these from History 101 to a lot of the mini doc series that they've been going on with. But Trial by Media was one that really caught my attention because it's, uh, I want to say it's about five, maybe eight episodes, all talking about real life cases that were affected by the media. How the Mm. media covered, you know, OJ, Made in America, would probably be the biggest one if it would have fit in here. But it's like, it covers a bunch of different ones. And uh, it's got directors like the showrunner of American Vandal. So there's a nice Mm. little spin that comes with it when they're jumping between interviews and the actual, you know, documentation that they have of... um, uh, one that happened on a on a reality show. Another one's about Blago. <laughs> the the governor was selling seats over here in Illinois, so I knew that one very well. Uh, but I found it to be very uh, engaging and, and an interesting way to look at these cases by how, again, the media affected them nice. and how uh, you know it shaped how the jury was going to look at it um, when they see us. Again, would be another great example of how the media shaped uh, mm-hmm. a trial. So Trial by Media on Netflix, I'd highly recommend. Nice, I'll check it out. Yeah, more and more when we see uh, fiction dealing with court cases, uh, the media is an integral part of it, whether it's like Defending Jacob or OJ Made in America or uh, uh, you mentioned just another one that I... When they see us, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Massive to us. A whole episode dedicated to it. So yeah, very interesting to get that kind of documentary perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Amanda, so I guess let's jump to your number five. Uh, I I guess I have a couple that I could mention that could go into that um, because I feel like there's at least a few... Uh, Dead to Me. I guess I'll put Dead to Me on the list here. Um, I really love the dynamic between the two characters. Um, I always forget how much I love Linda Cardellini until I see her in something. I Uh, never do. 
You never do. I don't anymore. It hit a point because, like, you know, for a while, it's like, oh damn, that Velma. Oh, it's, oh damn, yeah, that's the girl. Yeah, that's freaks and geeks. Like, you know, it's and uh, it's she always just pops up in these random roles as like the mom or the wife. But like in something yeah. like this, where she really gets the chance to shine on her yep. own, it's so good. And like Christina Applegate is also fantastic. There's fantastic. just such good performances from both people, and I I do enjoy uh, what they managed to kind of keep up with the with the second season. So yeah, mm. definitely. A Did recommended. you like it more than season one? I, I don't think I liked it more, but I, I feel I'm, yeah. I don't think I liked it more. Um, I do need to go back through it. I have a friend who's like completely obsessed with it. I think she's watched mm. the whole thing like maybe twenty times since the second season dropped. Wow. Now That's she just it? like I don't know what it is. Every time she ties, she's like, oh, by the way, this is happening again, and it's just like dead to me. Just watching and dead she, to me. She oh, just I cut her bangs one. again. One. To look like Linda. Oh, she's looking like, just like the character? She's looking like Linda. She look, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's really good. And it's an easy watch, too. Like, it's, it's it not, um, you know, it do, it deals with some, like, serious stuff, but it's an, it's an easy watch. It's not something that you... Highly bingeable. Very yeah. bingeable, yes, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Dope Dark it. Comedy. Season one, I still believe, has the the best performances of that year came from mm-hmm. them in season one. Oh, yeah. And season two yeah. is still oh, great. Good. It's funny. It's got really great reveals yeah. and twists yeah. and Twists stuff. and leaves it on Maybe note, just a little know? bit more rushed, in my opinion. I feel like Netflix tried turning it over. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit on a previous mm-hmm. intercut. It, maybe the, the plot wasn't quite as... Uh, engaging as it was in the first season but it's that dynamic between linda cardellini and crystal what Christina it's all about Applegate that mm-hmm. really keeps you there That's and makes it yeah. so charming and fun to to yep. go with them on their misadventures absolutely i would agree all right so dead to me season two good mm-hmm. pick uh my number nine is a show that we talk, also talked about a little bit on intercut uh based on a movie called skate kitchen it's crystal moselle's yes. betty Woo! Uh, it, it's a really cool show just about a group of young women who are uh, navigating New York City and doing it on skateboards mm-hmm. and in skate parks. It's a, a, a mostly male dominated world, but they have uh, th- they're carving out a niche and starting mm-hmm. this girls group in the show. And uh, I think it's this really interesting uh route in to get these kind of slice of life stories to me it's almost like uh hbo redoing the idea of girls but maybe with more relatable and a more diverse set of characters uh but you know you have crystal moselle who takes this really fly on the wall kind of style and it really lends to the idea that you're just kind of hanging out at the skate park Mm -hmm. with them and uh you know Again and again, we see movies return to uh, skaters for whatever reason. It's yeah. just a very like captivating world. Uh, and it's no different here, especially because you get a little bit of a different perspective than like the usual skater bros. It's a... Uh, I, I, I was really into this world and I think by the it's only a six episode first season it serves as kind of an introduction to a lot of these people but I think where it ends up by its sixth episode really sets the show in motion and makes me very excited for the second season of which it was recently renewed yeah. for so we'll, we know we'll be getting that so I'm excited for the future of Betty for now it's at my number nine spot. Yeah, that that would be no. on that would be on my my list as well. Here, I would uh, I would put that on that as well. I really like the movie a lot, and I feel like the show's really extending on the stuff that I like mm-hmm. the most versus like the stuff that I wasn't necessarily as interested in. So I'm really I'm really liking that, and uh, I just love the characters and like who they even who they are as actors and how that reflects their characters in the show too. Just yeah, I mm-hmm. really liked it. Yeah, my number nine is sticking with HBO. 
Mm-hmm. But it's McMillions, the Sundance documentary Ooh, that people were able to binge all four or five hours, however much it was, about the scandal that happened throughout uh, the 90s, I think, maybe even the 80s. Pretty much it follows these Uncle Jerry's that are like <laughs> manipulating all of the pieces, the literal pieces dealing with the uh, Monopoly scam that happened uh, a while ago and how they were able to just start a whole ring about it that goes into not just the FBI investigating it and the winners, but also the plant that prints these out, you know, the pieces to actually put onto the onto the products, uh, but then also how they lured people in. Mm-hmm. And it just gets crazier and crazier. It's surprisingly a lot funnier than I that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but then that comedy gets juxtaposed um, in the later episodes with some like really dark stuff and people who were actually hurt by this. While you had this goofy FBI agent trying to retell right. you everything mm-hmm. and how he got super into the role, mm-hmm. which I think was uh, like the 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 introduction to it was how this FBI group pretended to be the people who go film you. To say congratulations, what are right. you going to do with that money? Yeah. And that's how they were able to start cracking down the case. Uh, I would highly recommend it. It's hilarious, uh, and I'm really, I'm really liking the documentaries that are split up into these stories because you're able to cover more ground, not have to mm-hmm. rush things. But at the same time, I, I felt this one had very little filler as well, which is a thumbs up, mm-hmm. unlike a lot of Netflix ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, a really intriguing um, mystery and crime uh, ring that they mm-hmm. un- uncover, but it's uh, matched with these very eccentric characters, particularly that FBI agent. Uh, so it's a very uh, interesting documentary. Again, one that we uh, was at Sundance and then came out on HBO. So McMillions, good choice at number nine. Amanda, what else you got? Uh, so another one I liked that was on Amazon. Uh, I don't think it was quite as good as I expected that it was going to be, but I still enjoyed it, and it was it was really easy and fast to get through for me at least. Uh, Hunters on Amazon Prime, Ooh. which is kind of Al Pacino, right? Yeah, and um, Logan say, Lerman. Logan Lerman is that? Is it Logan Percy Lerman? Percy Jackson himself. Is it, is not? it? Is it Logan Lerman or is it the other one? It is Logan. No, yeah, it's Logan. There's okay. Logan Lerman, and then there's the other kid. Lerman Logan. Yep, that's yeah. <laughs> I always get two of them. No, I know confused. what you're about. Yeah, because there's another. Yeah, they, they look yeah, exactly it's the like. other one. That's yeah. So this is the perks of being a wallflower kid. It is. Yeah. Okay. So it's Logan Lerman, um, Percy Jackson. Uh, so it's basically a kind of like a like a, they're essentially they're hunting Nazis. Is essentially mm-hmm. it, and it's basically after the war is done, and some of these people have managed to stay concealed in uh in america down the road and it's just kind of this this winding thing that he ends up getting pulled into because his his, uh his grandmother was actually like a nazi hunter and then something happens to her that pulls him into this this whole this whole world and i guess it's based on a number of actual real nazi hunters that have been Mm -hmm. around through the decades um and it's all happening in new york city um yeah I i think it's worth the watch um I think, yeah, that was one of the ones they were pushing pretty hard. So, like, if you actually yeah. managed to see a movie sometime in, like, January or yeah. February, you pr- you might have seen an Amazon commercial for this ahead of time, at least if you're in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's worth a watch. There was a lot of really good uh, performances in it. Obviously, Pacino is in it, and he did uh, quite a good job. And there's, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun. Amazon yeah. does this interesting thing, and they did it with the boys as well, where it's like, they know they're going to get flack for what they're covering, but they make it as bloody as possible. And they, it hits like the same beats in that first episode mm-hmm. for the boys and the first episode mm-hmm. for Hunters. Yeah. Both have like, a, oh, th- get rid- this this is the tone you're in yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I like it when they I get that. to finish this one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this also got a lot of flack, though. All the controversy that it got from the, uh, like, a bunch of survivors came out or, like, families of the survivors because of the chess scene. I won't oh, spoil what the chess yeah, scene is. yeah, you're right. But I remember that getting a lot, a lot of flack See, for it. Yeah. And they were like, hey. It's fiction. It's what you fiction. gonna do about it? I was like, all right. Uh, yeah, bye, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see any of the controversy because I think I'd kind of just watched this mm-hmm. fairly self-contained and then never ended up talking about it. So I didn't do that extra step in that. But now uh, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, this one is because I know Seth Rogen did The Boys. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, the boys. this yeah. was Jordan Peele, right? He's involved. He, yeah, Jordan helped produce. Yeah, he's producer. producing. Yeah. There's a lot of producers though, like a lot. <laughs> There's like ten, yeah. I think. So. Yeah. But he's one of them, and they definitely used him in the marketing, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, interesting. Uh, Hunters, we got to catch up with that one mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Might number eight is a show that's back for its fourth season on Netflix. Uh, animated comedy, F is for Family, the show created by Bill Burr, mm. and, uh, starring Bill Burr, also with the voice of Laura Dern, the voice of Justin Long. Uh, it's this throwback to the 1970s, and uh, I the thing that I kind of enjoy about it is sort of like a weird uh, way of advertising it is that uh, all of the regressive qualities of 1970s society are are... kind of turned up and made fun of in a way just how okay people were with with uh, you know a lack of feminism <laughs> in, in the household or racism being abounded. Uh, I think this season takes on that stuff and also has a really intriguing storyline involving uh, the Bill Murphy character's father played by Jonathan Banks, who shows up and uh, he, he has these memories of his father being this oppressive asshole. And then he shows up and he's like the perfect grandpa. <laughs> uh, and the way that the season plays out that dynamic, I think is really interesting, ends in a very uh, gut-wrenching way. Uh, but also has plenty of laughs this season. I really love the uh, episode that focused on Rosie, another way that they've kind of expanded this world uh, as they continue to kind of uh, give you that Simpsons-esque sort Mm -hmm. of uh, pulling out so you get the picture of this entire town. So I I really enjoy uh, F is for Family. I think it's got a lot of laughs, and it's also uh, a very interesting world that they're trying to create there. So it's my recommendation at number eight. You've been pro that show for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, your family I don't see a lot you. of people talking about mm-hmm. it, but it's funny. Bill, Bill Burr, uh, it's got his sense of humor to it. Uh, and it, it, the fact that Laura Dern is on it and nobody talks about yeah. that, given how much everybody loves Dor- Laura Dern, is surprising yeah. to me. But I dig that show. Nice. Uh, for me, we're at eight, right? Yeah. My number eight is Betty. I uh, really enjoyed Betty. Nope. I liked it even more than Skate Kitchen. I, would I think agree. in Skate Kitchen, um, you know, the real life girls who are now the actors yeah. playing a version or so of themselves in the uh, in the movie. I think after starring in the movie, doing the whole press thing through all the festivals and stuff, then being able to have a bigger budget and, and a longer time. Uh, on top of that, also having the director. I want to make sure I get her name. Uh, also directing every single episode. Of the series? Uh, Crystal Moselle. Crystal Moselle. Yeah. I think it's fantastic because originally she had met the girls at like the subway mm-hmm. and she wanted to make like a short with them that would eventually mm-hmm. be like a doc, ended up being a movie, ended up being a TV show. Mm-hmm. And now we're in that era where, you know, Parasite's going to get a TV show for HBO. <laughs> the Last of Us is going to get a yeah. miniseries. Every movie is turning into a miniseries. It's the way to go. Two hours is not enough. Got to cut that up into segments. Um, so I think it's... It's one of the better ones as we enter this new era of turning everything into its own, like, TV version. It used Mm -hmm. to be TV. 
are you going to get a movie? Now it's yeah. you got a movie. Is it going to get a TV show? Yeah. And uh, this is one of the one uh, one of the best examples of it not being a cash cow, but actually having the characters be more fleshed out. Like Zach said, when you get to that sixth episode, you realize, yeah. oh, for sure, it's a hangout show. Like in the vein of mid '90s and um, the doc you really love, which I always bling on the name of it. That didn't win the Oscar, but was nominated Minding. for the Oscar. Minding the gap. Yeah. Minding the gap. Minding the gap. Uh, yeah. But starts to really get into um, their lives and yeah. and the you know the different characters that they uh, they cross over with in New York City. Uh, and I can't wait to see what they do with the second season. Things would be really same. dope. And I love that they that HBO specifically is doing these miniseries where they keep the same director for every episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, li- I I thought it was really good for sure. Awesome. It's me again, I think. Uh, yeah, Amanda. So yeah, me next? and my not numbered number. This is this is a weird pick because there's only one episode of it out yet, but I've read the book really? that it's based on. And it's that good. It's that good. Uh, well, I think it's going to be good. Maybe it won't be, but it's okay. a documentary based off of a true crime fiction, I'll Be Gone Ooh. by Dark, which is about the Golden State Killer. Yeah. And uh, it's actually the, the, the original story, I'll Be Gone by Dark, is actually written by um, Patton Oswalt. Michelle McNamara. Yeah, yeah. Patton mm. Oswalt's deceased wife, sadly. So she actually passed away before they found the Golden State Killer because, spoiler alert, they found him. I think it was about two years ago now. Um, mm. And it just became this like very weird thing that the, how did they not know it was him? But he was just one of these people that it was kind of similar to kind of like Bundy and the Zodiac and not the Zodiac, mm-hmm. but Bundy where they couldn't tell it was all one person because it was happening such a, across such a great range and they escalated in weird ways. Like first it was just break and enters. Then it was assaults. Then it was murders. So it just kind of really fleshed mm-hmm. out from there. So uh, I usually really like the way that HBO handles these docu-series. So I'm assuming that this Mm -hmm. is going to be good. It's going to be six total episodes, but it won't be done until I think August. But uh, I really liked how they they handled the first episode and set it up. And uh, I'm really into this kind of like true crime stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see in the direction that it goes. Yeah, it's a crazy story and one that, you know, uh, Michelle McNamara before her death was able to put together a lot of the pieces for. Like, uh, usually you don't see the police uh, thank independent journalists for their work but never uh, she she's been she's been credited up and down for her work in putting the pieces together and finding this guy who also used to be a cop uh and yeah it's a it's an incredible story uh you didn't know that art didn't know said i don't know anything about this show oh (laughs) yeah no that's the that's like the real crazy thing is that once they finally found this guy it was like he was a cop (laughs) yep and uh, okay. she had managed uh, to find so much information just by like, she was basically like, she was just there. It was always just that like, I'm almost there. I'm mm-hmm. almost there. I almost have a name because you're finding all these little pieces and stuff. And then um, finally found Interesting. Them. That's yeah. dope. And this is a documentary. It's not like a, it's not a narrative. No, it's a, it's yeah, a it's docu. A, yeah, it's a documentary. Okay. It's going to be a six part show. Yeah, six part uh, just show. started on HBO. Yeah, like so. just this past weekend. Dude, HBO in their eyes, man. I may destroy you. I'll be gone in the dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know this much is true. Yeah. Uh, joining a good crop of shows there, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm also excited to check out more of that show uh, once it's finally on. My number seven is Briar Patch, uh, the only show on USA that I've checked out this year and the only show on USA that'll be on my list, I think, on any of our <laughs> lists this year. Uh, it, it's a show about a... Uh, 
about a woman who goes back to her hometown after the death of her sister uh, to discover a, a corrupt infrastructure that has led to her sister's death and oh. uh, a tangled web of uh, corrupt policemen mm. and mayors and government officials all working to keep uh, to suppress this uh, instance to in order to uh, keep their own interests safe. Uh, it's got that like hard-boiled detective vibe, mm-hmm. but something that happens in the first episode, I think, is a good sort of uh, indicator for the tone of the show. Because yes, she's back to see uh, old acquaintances and figure out what happened to her sister, but simultaneously there was a uh, an escape at the zoo, and the town is littered with zoo animals, including giraffes and tigers, and they shoot oh a kangaroo in one of the first uh, shots of this show. So. It just it's got that surreal quality mm-hmm. to it too. It's like a like a thin edge of Twin Peaks to this like justified murder mystery vibe. Okay, uh, it's a it's a cool show. I, I really dug its first season. It's got some great performances, uh, particularly from J.R. Ferguson as Jake Spivey. So I'd highly recommend checking it out. I've seen yeah. the Patch. first episode of that. It was at TIFF. They actually did like a special yeah. screening at TIFF. So I've seen the first episode and I and I do like it. So. Um, I'm assuming, like, maybe we can make that my tent, but I've only seen one episode, so I don't know. But, <laughs> and it starts cool. with Rosario yeah. Dawson. What? Yeah. Yeah, Rosario, Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, so good. Interesting. Yeah, so they had done, like, a special screening of, like, the first uh, the first episode at, uh, at TIFF, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I thought I, this was a yeah. BBC show, dude. I don't know why. <laughs> Briar Patch. Briar Patch. That's what <laughs> I thought it was. I was like, yeah, oh, exactly. we, we got a remake. It okay. kind of sounds like one, though. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Ten episodes. Yeah, that, that'd be one I want to yeah. catch up on. Oh, Art, your number seven? My number seven, uh, still on HBO. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. High Maintenance. It's good High quality. Maintenance had its final Ooh. season. Yeah. And it was great. I'm going to miss it. Um, I don't know what else to say. I feel like if you've watched Intercut, you've, you've heard us talk about High Maintenance. It's a, it's a show that, you know, it deals with weed, but at the same time, mm-hmm. as it takes place in New York. And I think season... The later seasons has the guy going elsewhere. Uh, this was a series by, and you know the guy's name. What's the guy's name? Uh, ben Sinclair. He had this as a Vimeo short series, just like Broad City mm. was its own uh, online series, and yeah. then it got picked he up. He and his ex-wife, Katya Blickfield, who's still on the show, even though they uh, have since divorced. Bro, that explains that, uh, that <laughs> moment in season yep. four. Oh, my yep, goodness. Yep. Oh, this is my number three show of the year. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's still in the same spot. And I think season five was fantastic because it starts playing with just, season you know, four. different perspectives. It's like, you know what? Forget it. We're going to cover this immigrant who's working over here and hasn't discovered himself because there's a whole language barrier. Doesn't even know how to talk to anybody else. We're going to cover mm-hmm. some crazy, like, just just people who work in jobs that you would have not even known. Um, it, I think it's a very interesting series that... Uh, bounces between uh not necessarily changing the dynamic of the show but it's like the type of storytelling that they tell varies depending on the new person that you're following Mm -hmm. so if this person deals with like it wasn't marionettes but like these different puppets and stuff like that yeah it's going to be told through his zany perspective right and and through there you intercut with all of these other stories that are happening and how the guy comes into play and i think that's a very dope way dope way of telling (laughs) the story and i wish um I hope to see more stories like that, you know, because I think a lot of people just think it's a weed show. (laughs) And while it is, it's really like showcasing all of these different. I'm just thinking of all the different stories that were in there of like having a child who's 
not who's a doll. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, there's just so much going on with it, and uh, every single season has something dope to offer. And now it's all mm-hmm. wrapped up with the fifth uh, and final. Well, it, it was the fourth season that aired, and they they haven't confirmed that they're not going to be back. Uh, so maybe we will oh, get four? another season. On, on HBO at some point, although uh, it didn't necessarily get high ratings. So uh, not so sure whether or not it's going to uh, come back for a fifth season. But that fourth season does run. have like great it has a really killer ending to one that would be a satisfying close to the series, giving us a little bit more insight into the guy who the uh, mostly unnamed character who floats in and out of the show is, is as close to a main character as we get. But yeah, it's that it's that perspective. It's that shifting perspective. Uh, that high maintenance does that makes it just in a league of its own in TV. Uh, it t- it's able to tell such diverse set of stories because uh, it has this floating perspective mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. gives you all different perspectives in New York, sometimes outside of New York, uh, it loosely connected just through either you know sometimes marijuana e- related yeah. to the sometimes guy or not even just. Yeah. To, uh, one of the things that's that's most fun is when uh, you just see the guy bump up into somebody, uh, and it's not even related to his like deliveries or or not, what have yeah. you. But mini uh, anthologies within. I think this season had the episode where they followed like the lifespan of a lighter, and it's just one of those like yeah, crazy like ideas yeah. that's so beautifully done through high maintenance. So uh, that's a show that I love. That's a show that I have at number four on nice. my top oh, wow. ten. Okay, so, I haven't seen this uh, season yet, so I couldn't include it, but. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, pretty good. A show we all recommend, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, my number six is the third season of Ozark, the uh, Jason Ooh. Bateman-led crime show mm-hmm. that uh, takes a financial advisor into the Missouri Ozarks to do money laundering for the Mexican cartel. <laughs> uh, it's such a... It's one of those shows that brings you into a world that is f- so fascinating that uh, just sometimes... Being able to inhabit that world and and follow the uh, ups and downs that they experience is just thrilling in a way that Breaking Bad is also like at its best was thrilling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this has the moral complexity of a show like Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. but it does have the the uh, story propulsion that Breaking mm-hmm. Bad did. The way in which it the dynamics between the characters are constantly evolving because of either somebody getting double crossed or somebody trying to take advantage of a situation and and having spent now three years with these characters, uh, seeing Laura Linney's character in particular develop into this really savvy, uh, you know, negotiator and, uh, criminal in her own right, uh, seeing Julia Garner's development as, as Ruth. Emmy winner. It's just Mm -hmm. been, it's just been really, really, uh, engaging and cool particularly uh this season was great because the addition of laura linney's brother's character who uh becomes this agent of chaos in this sort of way by the end of the season uh without giving anything specific away Uh, so yeah i think this was one of if not the best season of ozark then the second best season of ozark so far they're wrapping it up i think they just announced today season four will be the final season of ozark so Mm -hmm. that's going to be interesting i i haven't been able to finish three but in the same vein uh what they're doing with laura linney oh man so good what they're doing with her is is something special but uh, now i'm excited to catch up and i'm really excited to see what uh bateman does next because he's not only handling the show but getting the recognition and, and and he got awarded with the best director as well at the Emmys, yeah. I want to say. So that's just going to, you know, I, I think it's going to elevate it to see what what's that next thing that he has uh, that he's wanting to work on. But he's been killing it with Ozark. So 
That's dope. Yeah. I'm just looking uh, this up now. It's it going to be a two-part yeah. 14 episode yeah. final season. It's dope. Like Breaking Bad mm-hmm. in Very the vein of Breaking yeah. Bad. The first show to really start doing that with the part A, part B. Yeah. Um, we are on number seven, correct? Yes. Or right. six, six. Six. Yes. My number six actually comes from Hulu, but this bad boy should have been on Disney+. Plus. Uh, <laughs> Love, Victor is great. I liked it a lot, yeah. It is a beautiful story while also leaving you in shambles by the end of it. Uh, I really liked the movie Love, Simon. I said it was damn near a masterpiece, except for the fact that they changed what happened in the book. And you could even tell that the TV series is trying to, like, fix some of the stuff. Right at the opening of the TV series is, Simon, I'm writing to you, and I love your family, but screw you for having everything picture perfect. Granted, does the show. Go ahead. Intercut. There is one thing I think the movie actually does significantly better than the book. The friend okay. reactions. In the book, they're the ones that are just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's okay that you basically just screwed us over for the past few months. We forgive you. In the movie, it actually tries yeah, to hold in the movie. like some accountability, being like, I get that this is a horribly difficult time for you, and I understand, and I wouldn't try to force you into a situation where you didn't feel comfortable doing something, but you didn't have to screw all of us over in the process. That makes you a bad person. That gets handled so well in the movie, it's handled so terribly in the book, in my opinion. Amanda, when you catch the second half of Love, Victor, the series That's, on Hulu, oof. which should have been on Disney+, Plus, you are going <laughs> to be like... What? That's, that's probably why Man. I'm not like it's not on my list yet because I, I'm only like five episodes in, four or five episodes in, so I'm not there yet. So, but it it I like it's it a such lot. a feel good show. Yeah, and you're with it. You you're loving the friends that he has. Uh, mm-hmm. Victor has moved from Texas um, to where Love Simon uh, takes place, Atlanta. and he's actually going to the same school. Georgia. So in Atlanta, he's messaging Simon, who lives in New York, and it's a beautiful way of not only having Nick Robinson as producer, but also he he's mm-hmm. in the world. He's they're writing to each other all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, the way that they just develop the story. I think the writing is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, for all of the characters, the women in the Love Comma series are always going to get screwed over is what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. But it it leaves it on a cliffhanger that is a beautiful cliffhanger. It has me very excited I'm for excited. season two. It's got bits of the storyline and infidelity that happens in Atypical. It has a little bit of freaks and geeks with how they're coming to terms of knowing each other. It has some characters that you're on the edge about then disappoint you. Some characters you're on the edge about and then surprise you and you're like, yo, you're a dope character. Nice. And I was very invested in this series and I truly believe that they should have kept it on Disney Plus because the target demographic that they were going for and considering the fact that people have Disney Plus and there's no new shows, it should have remained there. Didn't- I know that there's aspects that they do cover in, in on it and they said it was more a future thing. They finally mm-hmm. came out and said it's because they want to have more love seeds in the future seasons that that's mm-hmm. why they want to keep it on Hulu. We'll see because they're still 16 years old. I heard it was like so the drinking stuff too. Out. I heard it was the drinking stuff too that they were just drinking and that wasn't like the the negative effects of that were not the focus. It was just teenagers partying and there's no consequences. That's what I thought too. And then I remembered The Simpsons takes place at the Duff Factory and that's on Disney <laughs> Plus. So I don't buy but it. Are, it but was already made, you know. I, I don't know. My my own personal. Disney's been thing, doing weird stuff though. But either way, Disney's I, I, weird. Yeah. But Love Victor highly recommended. I've liked it a lot. So uh, very far. easy to watch. Super brisk, and uh, I think it does a lot of stuff that the movie didn't handle a lot better. And mm. it brings in the movie aspect and really does feel like we were saying got the movie and I got the TV show, and they're perfect counterparts to each other. Agreed. All right, uh, good pick at number six there. Uh, my number five is a documentary show on Netflix. 
Uh, one of the ones that was early in the year, a uh, bit of a sensation on Netflix, following cheerleaders at Navarro che- College. Oh, baby. Uh, it's the show Cheer. Uh, it's a really gorgeously photographed show about this cheerleading squad uh, and and following the their coach uh, and the different, different members of the squad as they prepare for the championships and deal with the hardships and uh, physical strains of cheerleading. It, it's something that I wouldn't necessarily have even had uh, such such an interest in if not handled so uh, beautifully in the way that they, they tell the rise and fall of different part, uh, members of this team and they show you the physicality, the raw physicality it takes to uh, get flipped up in the air and, and get caught and uh, occasionally uh, fall on somebody's head or fall on the mat after being launched. Yeah. Uh, the the sequences in which you see these like less than a hundred pound girls <laughs> getting injured over and over and over are just grueling. Uh, but it's it's documented in such a uh, such a such a interesting way. Uh, the way that you really feel uh, you, you're like right there with them. Uh, they get so up close to the action. Uh, it's such a visceral. Uh, it's such a visceral way of showing the story. Uh, I was really entranced by it, both on a filmmaking level and just getting to know these characters. I thought it was one of my genuine surprises this year. One of the best shows I've seen. Nice. Have to check I, it I out. agree. That should have been on my list too. That's how much I agree. So even though I'm not going to fix my numbers here. <laughs> What better recommendation than like, damn, that should have been on my list too. Yeah. Right, I love that. Right. That came out uh, when we were at Sundance and all the interviews during Sundance when they were asking the filmmakers, what are you watching? And every person who had a movie at Sundance was like, bro, cheer. <laughs> yeah. So if you have not caught cheer, it is fantastic. That is a documentary series I done right on it. Netflix. Okay. Uh, yeah, they, they handled uh, that Greg Whitley or Whiteley is the one who, who directed it. It's very, very well done. It's fantastic. Uh, Art, what's your number five? My number five, uh, sticking to Netflix, Hentified. This was a Ooh. this was a Sundance movie the first year that I went, uh, and I did not catch it. Now they turned it into a series. Obviously, it's like Hente, which is Spanish for people, but that is also you know mixing it with the gentrified side of it. Uh, the one thing right off the bat of the show that takes place. Um, in California, and it's about like this taco shop that they're running, and it's based off of the grandma. And they're very traditional, again, keeping mm-hmm. with the, they don't want to change everything. It's all about the tacos. But the neighborhood's changing, and things getting a little bit more expensive. So do you need to change the tacos to be like vegan tacos for the people who are moving in? You know, and is mm-hmm. that compromising what the shop is supposed to be to begin with? And uh, it's a very interesting mm-hmm. dynamic because while you do have the old heads, you know, the grandpa who, and all the tios and tias who are there, at the same time, you have all the younger generation who is also conflicted with like, nah, this is the new one. They're like, nah, I believe with pops. And it's uh, I, I found to be a very interesting series. Uh, they do a beautiful thing which is it's half Spanish, half English, and Spanglish. The parents will be talking in Spanish. The kids are responding in English, and they don't sugarcoat it. You know, many times they'll be like, why is this scene being done in English if I thought that person didn't speak it? Mm-hmm. Or why would they be speaking Spanish here if they're over there? It feels it, authentic know. to those characters. I thought they did it pretty well. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed it even more than On My Block, which uh, is usually the big Mexican show on Netflix. Uh, I thought it was even better than their season three, which bamboozled us. Hentified. Highly recommend it. And I'm very excited to see what they do with season two. Nice. All right. Good choice at number five. Amanda, let's get into your top five. Cool. My top five. Uh, so my, in my fifth place, I've got to feel good right now. Oh, okay. Um, which was a Netflix series. 
tight six episodes, short ones. Nice. So like, you know. All right. Yeah, you know, okay. 24, 25 minute episodes. Uh, I'm peaked. Yeah. So it's uh, it's basically about uh, a Canadian comedian and she is in uh, England. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, in England. And uh, it's just one of those other ones. Lisa Kudrow's her mom. It's just one of like, she's just, mm. just act. She just pops up everywhere as the mom. Um, and then also of Space Force, yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. they basically the whole first episode is basically she. It starts with her giving a comedy routine, and then there's 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 this girl in the audience, um, and then they end up you know talking for hours after the show, and then they get together, and then there's this kind of twofold thing with the girl she's met who's from England. Uh, this is the first girl she's ever been with. Is very scared about telling her family about it and stuff like that. But they kind of do the whole like lesbian U-hauling thing where they almost immediately like when they she just if the guy even makes a joke. He's like, hey, are you coming back tonight? And she's like, I don't know, man. I'm like, kind of in the middle of something. He's like, OK, see you in six months. But <laughs> so like, you know, they have all these nice moments in the first episode. Seems like everything's it's this beautiful budding romance. But then you get into the the stuff of, OK, she's not ready to tell her family and her friends. And then you find out that the. Um, the comedian is actually a recovering drug addict. So, and that kind of turns into this whole thing of like, do addicts replace those addictions with different addictions? So does she replace her drug addiction with people addictions? So do you just get really mm. into the romance and then everything's so heightened in that? Um, but it's it's really funny. It's got some really heartbreaking moments, uh, like really good performances. Uh, I'm not actually even sure. I didn't even look who's in it, but... Uh, let me check. Is this on Netflix? Yeah, it's a Netflix show. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay. Uh, here we I go. Check this one out. Yeah. So the actors. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering. So um, the main character. I always kind of wonder when it's like somebody. The main character is a comedian. I always wonder if they're actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the main character's name is May, and the actress is May Martin, who is a Canadian comedian and actor. So it's okay. like very. Makes sense. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, a little semi-autobiographical. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I, I liked it. I think it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a really easy and fast watch. So yeah, just no. Reminds me like Rami. Yeah, it was one of the, yeah, it was one of those uh, Netflix shows that kind of came and went earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it's going to come back for a second season after it had sort of like a, a brief six episode first season? That's run? what I'm not sure. I just kind of watched it super recently when I was trying to catch up on stuff and I was like, oh, that's really short. Right. That'll be easy to catch up on. Um, so I hadn't actually looked into whether or not it's been picked up. Renewed. I hope it has because it really, it leaves it to like be picked up again. So uh, just hoping. Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see more of yeah. it as a you know some of these shows in their first seasons are really laying the groundwork for for future uh, episodes like that's how I felt about Betty uh, mm-hmm. that you yeah. kind of establish the world and and then now you really can actually get yeah into absolutely it. you yeah. want to yeah. see them kind of like get to it um, yeah hopefully. cool all right feel good Amanda's number five choice uh, I m- talked about my number four is high maintenance a great mm. show check it out <laughs> HBO HBO Max whatever you got. It's on there. A lot of good episodes on there. Both the, I think they still got the Vimeo episodes on there too. So yeah. you can watch some short ones, watch some long ones. Good stuff. Uh, All right, what's your number four? Bojack. Season six, <laughs> the finale. I'll talk about six, it more when it when when you bring it up. Yeah. But uh, very enjoyable show. It's one of those endings that uh, doesn't wow you, but it sits with you. And I think mm-hmm. when a couple of years pass by and I go back and watch the show, it's going to be a perfect just it's a perfect bookend to um yeah. what the whole show was was about so 
Yeah, BoJack has never really been a show about easy resolutions for no. complicated questions, mm. and I think that would be disingenuous to the show for it to end on like a, a everybody's happy kind of final note. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like you said, I think as the years go on, that finale is going to continue to be really intriguing and and say a lot of good good things. I'll just say I'll, I'll mention one scene: uh, the assistant. Uh, what's her name's assistant? Was it Elijah or what's uh, Jonah? Jonah. Jonah. Damn, man. Damn. That's all I'll <laughs> <Yeah>. say. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Good wow. seat. Uh, Amanda, what's your number four? Sex education. That's what I'm going to go with. Season two. Yeah, right. season two. Not as good as season one, but mm-hmm. I still like the direction they took with it. I really like the characters that they've they've fleshed out in this world, and I think we kind of got a little bit more from, um, you know, we got a little bit more nuance to certain characters, a little bit more background on certain people. There are certain situations they don't think they handled super well, but it almost seemed like they handled them kind of poorly so that they could go back to it later yep. and fix Setups. it, you know, so or like at least dress it again. Um, I think it's a really good show. It's got that. Obviously, it's got like the, the British comedy because that's what it is. But um, I think uh, I think it's one of those shows that when people start watching, they're surprised by how much they actually end up enjoying. I remember when the second season dropped, suddenly my whole Twitter was flooded with, oh, my God, sex education so good. Like, how did I miss the first mm-hmm. season? So I think that's the mark of a good show when, like, the second season can come around and that rejuvenates the interest if they Get had missed it the first time around. So, yeah, yeah that'll be my, my number four. Yeah, I like the first season of that show. I just haven't gotten around to the mm. second one, so glad to hear that uh, it's got your approval. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. so a number four for Amanda is Sex Education. Yeah. My number three, I suspect it will be on at least one other list here. Uh, it's Devs, the FX on Hulu shoot show from Alex Garland. Uh, mm. I'll save some of the talk because I'm, I'm sure we can get into a lot of things with this show. Uh, the thing that really just jumps out to me, especially in comparison to a lot of the shows that we've talked about, a lot of the shows that we will talk about, which are all great shows, uh, there's just some really, really creative and daring filmmaking going on in the show. They do some stuff with cold opens where they are so ambiguous and they scared kind of the crap out unsettle, of you. Yeah, they unsettle you, but they kind of pull you into the world and, and set the table for the, this mind bending show uh, where you can't really, you have to question the reality of what's happening. Uh, Alex Garland's got such a unique approach to the way that he does sci-fi and, and here, uh, tackling questions uh, of determinism and, mm-hmm. and future selves. He makes no exception. Uh, there's just some sequences, particularly uh, I'll shout out uh, when he doubles up on people, which I think is vague enough that you'll yes, know that's what great. I talk yeah. about Perfect. if you've seen the show. Yeah. It's just so it's so cool, but it also makes you think like it serves such a purpose yeah. for the story. Uh, he's just one of the most interesting filmmakers we have working right now and it's such a privilege to get to spend seven hours in a world he's made mm-hmm. yeah. on imdb the thing it, it said you know 2020 to 2020 and they don't even like i mean they show you the episodes but they just tell you it's a six hour and 42 minute yeah. runtime or something like that like right. as if it's pitching you as a movie in parts yeah i love it we will be talking about it in just a little bit yeah, j- just because you you brought that up, I I hate the thing that people say like, oh, it's a ten hour movie, oh, it's an eight hour movie. It it applies here. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need you to tell me that the the Falcon and Winter Soldier show is going to be an eight hour movie. <laughs> like, just make a TV don't show. Don't do Anthony Mackie like that. He's going through a lot but right this, now. Okay. <laughs> this this, this, this one was a definitely. seven hour movie. Yeah, yeah. easily yeah. stunning. Uh, Art, right, you're number three. 
My number three is none other than a show you said you didn't catch, but it was all the rave this summer when the NBA was out. All the sports was out. The Last Dance. Name me something else that's been memed like this show has. <laughs> Recommended nothing. by uh, Corey uh, Findlay as well. 13 Reasons uh, Why? The, <laughs> not even. I, w- I would, that's I would fair, say. That's fair. You're this right. One, not quite. Uh, you know, last- Michael Jordan's going to be pretty upset that you didn't put him at number one. I don't care. Okay. Hey, hey, if you've seen the show, that's all Michael Jordan needed. <laughs> this is the show all about uh, Michael Jordan, really. It is not the last dance of the Chicago Bulls, even though they claim it is. It is the Michael Jordan show that was greenlit. He, like Kanye West, like many of the greatest of our time, records everything. And he did so on that final season for the Chicago Bulls. We don't know. They had six championships. Does not six. They had six championships, and uh, on the six one, which was considered the final dance, because uh, Phil Jackson always had a title for every single one of his seasons. This one being the final dance because it was literally going to be the last season that they were all going to be together, and mm-hmm. it was the moment that LeBron James, I want to say twenty fifteen sixteen, when he won his championship for Cleveland, that Jordan Green lit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said, "Let's start editing this," and it is. It's not perfect in any way, shape, or form, but man, does it get you motivated. It talks about all of the ups and downs that he went through, uh, you know, of being the greatest of all time. And I Answers wish... There's also some some lingering questions, like, about the flu game and, uh, you know, different relationships that they had on the team. I, something that he's long avoided talking yeah. about was his gambling, which they go into on the show, I've, I've heard. Very little, but I think they could have covered a lot more. I think he could have given a lot more of the other um, players. Uh, you know, it, there's like a Scottie Pippen episode. By that, I mean it's 20 minutes, yeah. and then the other 45 are about Jordan. But yeah, no, it is, to Horace Grant. It is a fantastic. <laughs> Poor Horace. Horace got hit bad in the show. But it, it, if you know nothing about it, this is the perfect episode to get in because it's not just about basketball and the title. It is about the brand that became Jordan right with the shoes with uh the movies with McDonald's with the Olympics with what would become basketball and how it got changed from the 80s to the 90s I think it's beautiful and really um the model of an athlete what Jordan ended up becoming as an athlete and as a role model uh I think it's beautifully broken down there will obviously be other stories to be told once Jordan is gone and I can't wait for those as well. But as the authorized Jordan one, yeah. I think it was beautiful. It's got a lot of means, it's got a lot of um, emotion in it. And I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. So are you saying you're wishing for the death of Michael Jordan? I never said that, <laughs> but I am wishing for the unauthorized documentary gotcha. because it'll definitely cover a lot of the stuff that also got memed yeah. in the show that yeah. wasn't really covered. But Oh, I was for certain that the flu game, which ended up being a pizza, I was for certain it was made the Main Street Pizza Oodles and Noodles or whatever oh, no. at Park City. Uh, but it wasn't. It was a pizza hut, supposedly. Damn. So we'll see. Damn. <laughs> yeah. What uh, about you, Amanda? We'll also see about the veracity of that story because that one I've heard has been picked. It has been picked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, uh, definitely want to catch up with The Last Dance. I'm glad that you liked it as much as you did. But Amanda, what is your number three? What we do in the shadows, season two. Hey. Um, I'm a huge uh, YTT fan and uh, Jermaine, obviously, as well. But I love the movie. I'm really big on mockumentaries in general. It's like a mm-hmm. genre that I really didn't think I would like at all, but I absolutely fell in love with. And 
the the show really manages to keep up the energy from the movie. Like you might not think they'd be able to, but uh, they do. So it's essentially the story. It's like it's all it's a mockumentary happening in a supernatural world. It's like following these mm-hmm. main vampires, but there's a bunch of other ones too. Like there's one episode this season where they do like a ghost seance to try to get rid of the ghosts, but it just brings more ghosts. And it's like if you look at any of the individual plot points, it seems like the most ridiculous thing, which it is. But it's amazing yeah. at the same time. Like it's just so funny. <laughs> But yeah, I love the movie. I was able to catch half of the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been able to finish it yet. Do you think uh, one season's better than the other? Better than the movie? Which one do you prefer out of the three that we got so far? I think I still prefer the movie, but I want to go back through. So okay. I didn't rewatch season one before going into to season two here. So I feel like I'd, I'd have to kind of like sit and watch them all together. But like that's almost the beauty yeah. sometimes of a mockumentary is that like so many episodes, it's just kind of flowing in like a really smooth way. Mm-hmm. So like certain seasons mm-hmm. just kind of like... You know, I can pick out what my favorite seasons of The Office are, but there's episodes way later on that are some of my favorites or have some of the best cold opens or something <laughs> like that. And it's kind of I, I would say that's probably going to apply here if it continues going. Right. Um, it is it's just as the quality is just as high. Like if you liked okay. season one, if you like the movie, you're going to you're going to continue just liking everything that they do. Yeah. It's FX, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. FX has FX been on, on Hulu, one. FX. Yeah. FX has been on They've one. They've been doing good. Hulu mm-hmm. should be happy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They have some good stuff. Uh yeah, my number two is what we did what we do in the shadows. Nice. Oh, look at two. that. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's just such a such a fun quirky world to hang out mm-hmm. in. Uh the way that they kind of take uh commonly known lore and, and uh myths or whatever yeah. about vampires or, or supernatural and, and skewer them mm-hmm. or make you know, make them silly, uh, whether it's, you know, the way they yell bat before transforming <laughs> into a bat or <laughs> yeah, something exactly. like that. Uh, it, it's just such a, such a funny world. And, and the uh, actors, too, uh, Matt Berry, uh, Natasha Dimitri and uh, Carvin Novak are, are so good on this show. Uh, also, shouts out to uh, Mark Proshkin, who plays Colin Robinson. Just the concept of an energy vampire, <laughs> yes. too, is oh, so, so funny. funny. And one of the like kind of novel ideas here yeah. that they they it's more than just like the blood sucking. Yeah, vampires. they're going into like the uh, reality he, of like there are people out there who identify as energy vampires. So it's like <laughs> it's cool. Like it's go let them go. It's cool. That's funny. Yeah. So like yeah. the way they incorporate all these different ideas and uh, is so funny. And like you're saying, Amanda, I think with a show like this, which is such an easy hangout, sometimes it's like there's a certain episode will stand stand out, but it does feel like such an easy uh, hang mm-hmm. that it does blend out a little di- a blend a little bit. Uh, this season in particular, the Jackie Tato- Daytona yeah. episode was absolutely <laughs> oh hysterical, uh, as well as the episode with which brought back uh, Nick Kroll's character oh, uh, yeah. and about the, the whole squabble with the hat. Yeah, but there's just so much funny stuff happening. Uh, you still have Taika, I think, showing up to direct some. I know Jermaine Clement uh, wrote and directed some episodes this yeah. season, so you have him. Also, Stephanie Robinson, who is one of Atlanta's best True. writers, uh, writes on this show, too. Yeah. So you got a lot of comedic talent here, and uh, be both in front of and behind the camera. It, it's one of the most pleasant shows out mm-hmm. there, so I highly, highly recommend it. Agreed. The shadows. Agreed. I'm going to have to binge it tonight, then. Uh, <laughs> sticking with FX. <laughs> Devs. All I will say nope. is, you ever watch a show and you can't wait to rewatch the show? Yeah. That's Devs. <laughs> and that's all I got to say. Go watch Devs. Mm-hmm. Devs scared me, actually. Devs? Devs yeah. gets really me. scary at times. It's just uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, to my number two now? Um, I'll forever be oh, petrified yeah. of Zach Grenier oh, breaking into my apartment. Yes. 
uh, Amanda, <laughs> number two. Uh, I'm not okay with this. Maybe okay, maybe okay. a bit high, but it's just it, again, it's just like I like coming of age stories. I like superhero yeah. stuff, and this just kind of blends a lot of that kind of stuff together. And uh, I, I I realize that like a lot of the the it kids and the Stranger Things kids just seem to get re- actually some of them cross over because Finn's in both. But you get a lot of these. It's like they're the new they're the new yeah. it kids, you know. And they they just they pull them from everything. Mm-hmm. But I they're really literally the it kids. Yeah, exactly. They're really the it kids. Exactly. But I I really do think that Sophia Lilly stands out in this. I think she does such an incredible job just with like just her emotions and dealing with that and how that in itself is relatable to most, you know, younger teenagers as you're kind of like working through things and how that can kind of like augment into something which in her case she can't actually control it. Like she has mm-hmm. these powers that do come on more when she's angry and obviously that's adding a whole other level to her just her coming of age and how she's growing yeah. and like realizing things about herself and realizing really big things about herself. Uh, and just, uh, yeah, I really like it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a pretty basic premise when you look at it, but yeah. uh, I really love how it came together as a show and it just left me wanting more when it was done. I mean, mind blowing ending that they got going Yeah, on the there. ending was great. Oh my have you God. read the comic? I haven't. I was going to, and then I saw... Comic's really good. Yeah, I've heard mixed. I was I was about to read it, and then everyone was like, this is bad. But I'm like, I'm assuming they're saying it's bad because it's different, and I just haven't got to it yet because it's probably something I'll end up making a video about, but closer to when season two is going to drop at this point. Yeah. So I'll probably... I would recommend it. Yeah. I'm very curious to know your thoughts. Yeah. A little bit darker, uh, but less Stranger I, Things yeah, references Yeah, I knew sure. less Stranger Things, but darker. I knew it was darker, and I think yeah, that's yeah. what threw people off. They weren't expecting it to be... Kind of almost like if you compare Kick-Ass the movie to Kick-Ass the comics, it's like, oh, you thought that was yeah. dark, but then it's like way more screwed up In once you comics, get into they it, allow, you know? Yeah, the comics don't have the MPA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just go. So, Would you compare this at all to another show that I know you had on your list last year, uh, Umbrella Academy? Yes, I would. I think they have yeah. very similar tone. I think there's obviously a lot of parallels between... Um, Sophia Lilly's character in this and Ellen Page's character in Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's it's very different. Umbrella Academy is kind of like Twisted X-Men, which I'm making. I'm going to be making a video about this soon because season two is dropping in like exactly right a month. Horizon. So covering that soon. But uh, there is a lot of that kind of like just that uncertainty in the character, how that uncertainty builds into something else when you don't know what your body is doing and you can't control it and you have people around you that are trying to get you to be a certain way and it's not really Mm -hmm. necessarily helping. Uh, And then just all the regular just confusion of being who you are. But I'd say, honestly, tonally, it feels very similar to Umbrella Academy as well. It's kind of got that like quirky, dark humor while Mm -hmm. still dealing with really serious issues, but then still bringing in levity when it needs to. And then, yeah, it does kind of have similar like big punch endings. So, yeah. All right. Very cool. Uh, I haven't caught up with that one, but maybe I need to. It's another Uh, quick watch. We're into. Yeah. So Cool. Uh, we're into our number ones, so I'll start Ooh. us off here with my number one of the year so far. Uh, not going to be a surprise to many. It's the final season of BoJack Horseman. Uh, you know what? What can we say about BoJack Horseman that I haven't said in like every best of the year TV list so Honestly, far on this channel? You know, ever since uh, the beginning. Yeah, I mean, Raphael Bob Bosberg, I think, has done a really interesting thing here, in he he's created this. Uh, very animated world and animated both in the literal and, and you know other meaning of it that that's very big it's mm-hmm. very broad it's very silly at times but he he 
maintains this really interesting and and deeply thoughtful uh, drama to the story as well in interrogating the Bojack character. And something that we're seeing a lot in, in the real ro- world right now is this idea of what to do with these people that were beloved but have problematic pasts. And, uh, you know, what is it like being at the center of, you know, the cancel culture or whatever you want to call it. And I think Bojack uh, surprisingly has done some of the best work in in talking about these issues and talking about uh, the impact that uh, people can have when they when they've you know, been enabled into their bad behaviors and uh, what's that, what that's like, not only for the person at the center of it, but for the persons around them Mm -hmm. Uh, and the way that it sort of uh, brings you forward in time by the end of its last season and sort of sort of shows you the path that uh, Diane and Todd and all these characters have gone on. I I think it's a very beautiful ending like we were talking about. And uh, it may not have had some of the, most classic episodes of BoJack Horseman, but I think it's just a really fitting end, one that both was funny and emotional. Uh, it's it, There's some sentimentality going on here, but I, I really love the show, and I'm going to miss it. Agreed. I haven't finished yeah. it yeah. yet, but I'm excited, too. I think it's only gotten better yeah. from the first season. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much to catch on rewatches, so mm-hmm. it's going to be super dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, final one. You know, as much as the my list started with a bunch of HBO, HBO, <laughs> HBO, it ends with Netflix with mm-hmm. a perfect three-season arc dark. Fantastic. <laughs> I got to get I'm not even going to describe it because no one described it to me. They just demanded that I watched it. And it is very rare that you see creators coming in and knowing that they have three seasons to tell a story. Nothing more, nothing less. And it's beautiful going into a season knowing that they know the ending and knowing that everything has already been set in motion. So seasons refreshing. one, two, and three. It's perfect. It's great. Another show that I would say is doing a very similar thing is Russian Doll, mm. which I know also is set out to do a three-season uh, arc. And I just wish that there were more like this. Dark will be known as the epitome of what it does and being the best at that. It is pinnacle sci-fi. I will get to it. I will get to it. Dark on Netflix. Must watch. Amanda. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or Zach. Zach, if you have anything no, to say about that. I was going to say, you always say that this is, this is like the inheritor to the lost throne of it, complex webs of inter, interconnected threads and different stuff going on. I, I got I to gotta binge it at Same. some point. So. Bro, like, you got to watch this soon. with a calculator. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm excited. Perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, All right, Amanda, what's top of your list so far in 2020? My number one is one you guys have both already mentioned, Devs. Um, Let's talk about I it. I love the way that Alex Garland does sci-fi in general. Mm-hmm, yep. uh, he's always willing to take risks. Sometimes they don't always hit with everyone. But, uh, man, I've read Annihilation. That's a weird book to read. And he managed to make that work as a movie in a way that, like, made mm-hmm. sense and still managed to, like, capture the ambiguity of what was going on and look just stunning. And Devs is just such an ambitious undertaking with all, all, so many different, like, philosophical questions that it brings up. And, like, you know, the concept of, like, free will and, like, autonomy and just different things like that. And it's just, it's so good. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a good show. Uh, also, just some great performances oh, yeah. from Allison Pill and Nick Offerman in particular mm-hmm. on this show. Uh, but yeah, it's stunning. It's stunning to think about. It's stunning to look at. It's uh, a really complex story mm-hmm. that 
holds up to parsing it and and picking it apart. So I don't know. Uh, it's there's a reason it's so high on all our lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I will mention just to add, since we had it all up really high, is uh, Sonoya Misuno. I, w- I hope to say her name. The mm-hmm. actress who plays Lily, mm-hmm. she was also in all of Alex Garland's previous stuff. Yeah. She plays the humanoid mm-hmm. in Annihilation yeah. who fights against Natalie Portman. Yeah. She plays the one who dances with, um, what's his name, in X Machina. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, she was even one of the dancers in, in La La Land, so it's really dope to see her get some mm-hmm. lines, yeah. to see her play a human being yeah. <laughs> also as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought she killed it. Yeah, she did she a fantastic really job good. with it. Yeah. yeah, very cool to see her get a more central role here mm-hmm. uh, on Devs. So, yeah, Devs is one of our favorites, but a bunch of shows showed up on all of our lists. Let us know what your favorite TV shows of 2020 so far are. Uh, but that's about it for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, at uh, on Twitter, Letterbox, or Instagram, at Zshevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V, as in uh, the V in devs, which <laughs> might not be a V, I-C-H, and uh, Amanda, where can people catch more from you? You can find me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, all of the above, and probably a lot of other stuff at Amanda the Jedi. You can find me Art. at the A to Z show, LME Explain, over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterbox whatever world we're in in this time loop that we're caught in but and anyone here on the intercut podcast yeah you can listen to every episode of the intercut podcast on itunes soundcloud spotify or your favorite podcatcher i like overcast and then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast but to the video feed as well on our youtube channel youtube.com slash intercut pod where you can catch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment Please leave a comment, like the videos, consider heading over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from Amanda, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, sometimes life's a bitch, and then you keep on living. What's that That, one from? That's also BoJack Horseman. Oh, is that BoJack?